and welcome back to How About That Crypto. I am your host, Bitcoin Stylist on Twitter and Bitcoin Hairstylist on Instagram. I am here with my guest, Julia Morolas, and we are going to talk about crypto and Web3 during her haircut. So first, I'm going to get her shampooed and we'll be right back. So talk to me. So, uh, I, you know, I'm not an expert, but based on my research, there's a lot of concerns with the environmental impact of cryptocurrency. And I think that that's something that's valid to consider because humans, by default, we are not good with how we consider what the future would hold when we come up with a new idea, right? So my concern is, you know, in regards to, I also work in tech. Um, I'm an environmental uh, environmentalist who works in tech. So my concern is if we are going to have these large-scale server farms, mm -hmm. By default, naturally, certain things are going to fail and need to be replaced regarding like, you know, say that there's a certain piece that needs to be e-wasted and we need to get rid of that piece. What do you think is going to be the outcome of the large scales of e-waste that we will be having in the future from these server farms? Because you know, just to maintain these things, there's going to be a lot of e-waste that comes from that. And currently our approach with e-waste is actually not sustainable for the environment. So that's one of my main concerns. Yeah, so the the e-waste, um, that is, so the, when it comes to the environment, it's the energy consumption. Right. Some people just have a blatant outright, uh, uh, they're, they just blatantly just just outright don't like the fact that it's high energy consumption. Try not to lean your head over to the left. Right. right. Uh, and and so right those those people there's not much we can do about like convincing them that you know of anything and there's not really it's like either it consumes energy or it doesn't. So that's not what we're talking about. However, just to like touch on that for just a quick second before I answer go into your question for anybody watching or listening. Um, Okay, and just straight ahead, don't look down. Okay. okay. Um, so there, Bitcoin is, there's the consensus protocols are, so how, how, the, how the network of how the money is moved around is uh, secured by a consensus protocol and different blockchains have different consensus protocols. Mm -hmm. And the proof of work consensus protocol is the really the one in question because that's the one that requires mining. The others require like a group of people putting together a bunch of their money into one pool and uh, and doing like validation through through a consensus called a proof of proof of stake. Right. So people will stake their coins and the consensus protocol, it doesn't really require much energy and it doesn't require mining machines. Mm. Um, so most, most of them are transferring over or being built that way. Mm. Uh, so it's, but at the same time, while that might help make it, make it seem like it's better than, um, or, or progress, it's not really progress because Bitcoin will never change. In order for Bitcoin's consensus protocol to change, it requires 91% of all miners on the network to agree to change the consensus protocol. Hmm. Basically, it'll never happen. Okay, so, so at the end of the day, this environmental concern is always going to be an issue as long as Bitcoin's around. That makes sense. So, 
so then to go into well ethereum is also but ethereum is transitioning to proof of stake mm-hmm. there's no guarantee it'll actually work and they might have to stay proof of proof of work however if they stay proof of work most likely all the people who use that network would probably move into something else because it's slow mm-hmm. but that that's that's not necessarily accurate either so anyway so proof of work we're talking about proof of work that requires uh, requires high computational power and requires these uh, high processing machi- these proce- these machines that that are the ones that are processing all the data. Right. And uh, that's Ethereum and Bitcoin. So the e-waste and uh, and then it'll be like the other thing would be like what type of energy are they consuming? If if you're exactly. if you're okay with them consuming energy as long as it's renewable, right? Right. Um, Okay, so that doesn't that so now to your question about the e-waste. E-waste is something that's being brought up. The uh, the people, the companies that are creating these these uh, these machines and these chips the, to process them, they are working on making them more energy efficient. Want uh, mm-hmm. AMD just re- I think it was AMD. There's AMD and Nvidia are the two top ones that are creating it. I think VMware is also potentially working on some software that doesn't consume as doesn't require as much energy, uh, but but point is, the companies that create these are trying to get the uh, the energy consumption less, make them more energy efficient. Hmm. Um, so that's one thing that's that's happening. The other thing is that that recycling of e waste is I I can't remember what the number was. I think it was like seventeen percent, something super low. Yeah, I don't maybe not that low, but it was very low. Like we don't like as a generally not crypto, just in general. Uh, and I think that's globally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So global recycling of e waste, we could really work on building it up. I mean, on do being better at that. I think that that's definitely something. Um, and maybe maybe a maybe a way to you know keep keep Bitcoin and proof of work around would be to say like you know if you wanted to go the regulation route which it looks like it's going to have to be regulated some way to prevent uh what the bad side of the environment like the negative environmental impact would probably have to be policed through regulation it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like as an industry like they're pushing in that direction but but they're going to chase the cheapest costs no matter what and uh, if if there's not some sort of rule putting around it well, so you could put in theory, I guess you could put a rule saying they have to recycle a certain percentage. So this could be a regulatory discussion. Yeah. It's like, hey, like you don't, we as an as a planet are terrible at recycling e-waste. Uh, what are you doing about your e-waste versus saying this industry has e-waste? It's like, right. well, does it? Are they people, are they fixing the machines? A lot of these companies are fixing the machines as they break down. Um, if they burn out, I don't know that they can be fixed. But so there's a lot of people that are tinkering or selling on a secondary market where people will tinker with them. So you could, you could, I imagine that that would be, that would be some, some way to handle that. Um, and then the other, there was something else. Uh, yeah, I think those are, those are the two main things. It's like the companies that create these machines Three things. The companies that create these machines are working to make them more energy efficient mm-hmm. uh, so that and, and, they, and that they, they last longer. And then it could also be another, I imagine, because, you know, as Americans and uh, capitalists, 
we are really good at identifying problems, especially when the government says, hey, this is a problem. You have to do something about it. Here are the rules. Well, an entire industry could pop up where they're recycling and fixing and, and refurbishing or taking that those machines and finding other purposes for them or maybe scrapping the parts, breaking them down and rebuilding them. So I do think that without the guardrails up, yeah. It would take some time. The energy would have the, the industry would have to continue to expand. And then I do think you'll see see startups come online saying, hey, we can um, we can recycle these. But the companies might not have an incentive to sign up for this program unless there's some sort of government regulation saying that they have to recycle. Like, for example, um, when the uh, markets collapsed in 2008. I think it was 2008. Mm -hmm. They're part of the regulation was that banks had to uh, bank. You know, no one quote me on this, but I know that there was a regulation, whether it was a result of the financial collapse in 2008, which I'm pretty sure it was or not. But there is a law that said that that banks and financial institutions had to spend a certain amount of money in financial education oh. and in entire businesses in, in multi hundred million dollar businesses have sprung up to create this education. And then since these banks and these financial institutions have to spend money, they have to spend a certain percentage of their profits or their revenue or something like that to on this stuff. So you could create these businesses and pop up. So I think mm. that that is a hundred percent, but it, it didn't happen until there was the rules around it. Right. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of how I understand the e-waste thing. Like it is a problem and I, I don't know that anybody will do anything about it. Um, you know, like in the hair industry, like we are a very dirty industry that no one talks about. We've have tons of waste, all the foils that put in your hair, all that hair, like that could be used. That's, that could be used to like soak up oil, like hair soak True. absorbs like an insane amount compared to its body weight. Yeah. So uh, there's a company that you have to pay. The salon has to pay uh, to use it. It's called Green Circle Salons. <laughs> and they'll they'll come in, they'll pick up your stuff and they'll use the hair for um, cleaning up oil spills. Wow. And they, use, they, re, they clean and recycle the foil. And uh, depending on the jurisdiction, they're allowed to collect things and not allowed to collect things because the states have their different rules around waste collection. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, that's, that's awesome. yeah, that's my kind of idea about the e-waste thing. It's a problem. And I, and I do think that you will need, uh, legislation yeah. and regulation around it. Um, but it can be dealt with. Okay. And there's a lot, there all these types of things. These things I'm talking about are not like my ideas. These are things that are being talked about in the industry. It's just, no one's really very few people are taking the initiative because they have to compete. So they have yeah. to compete with people who don't care about the environment. So really you need to put those guardrails on. That's my theory. So no one hate me about that. Cause I said that, but that's just, just me keeping it real. No, that's definitely true. And and I think like oftentimes it's an afterthought rather than something that we, you, you put in, in the forefront from the beginning, you know, like most people are like, Oh, maybe we should be carbon neutral after the fact, after yeah. they've made all this damage. And it's a real problem because we need to be talking about the environmental impact from the beginning. And that probably would have saved a lot of our issues if we had done that with so many industries that have been extremely wasteful. But um, that brings me to my next question in regards to the solar farms. You okay. know, you mentioned that China is doing a better job with how they're you know, dealing with um, the energy and, and combating the energy aspect of that or the server farms. But um, 
I don't think America is. I don't think the the server farms that are being built here are going to follow that same uh, approach. So, and we also don't really have the same amount of land because China's so large and vast that they can they can do that. They can build as many solar you know server farms as much as they want. But here, I don't think that we have that opportunity. So, so what are your thoughts? And what have you done in regards to research with with that in america uh so well one i would like to address uh the china has banned uh banned all crypto they said it was because of energy concerns but like i said only bitcoin and ethereum are high energy intensive not the entire industry Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a bunch of bs like they just want control over the money and because it's surveillance money the whole cbdc thing central bank digital currency uh that's really just a way to uh spy on your citizens i mean you could literally shut your money off in your wallet if they wanted to Mm -hmm. and they could decide you know what grain is too expensive right now so everyone has to switch over to an alternative so so or everyone will be limited so your wallet will not allow you to spend more than a certain amount they could essentially ration the whole country which in a way is kind of brilliant um unless you're an individual that likes being an individual yeah. which I do, you know, as an American, you know, that's what we're built on. So anyway, um, but, and then another point that you said about trying to be better about certain things, I, I, you know, based on my research, they are, they have some of the, I, I'm pretty sure they're spending the most, more money than any nation on uh, building up their renewable energy sources. Now yeah. that's completely separate from the crypto stuff. So anyway, uh, as far as, as far as renewable energy, there's some really awesome, really exciting things about this. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, there's a, pro- and this is one project. Okay. And I'm probably going to end conclude with the same thing I did for the previous question, but um, nonetheless, so there are, there are these server far, or sorry, there are these, comp- there's a company that is building out solar farms and they're tokenizing each each solar panel so each solar panel will be will correspond with a token or or 10 tokens per solar panel whatever depending on the solar panel and the the economics however it works but let's just say one token per solar panel so by owning the token you will reap the benefits you'll be essentially owning a solar panel so you'll reap the benefits any of the profits that are pulled in for selling that energy so so it's a way to like basically get people to fund the, the rise of the of the of the green of our green energy industry yeah. renewable energy yeah. energy industry now um there's also something really interesting is is renewable energy has two main issues uh renewable energy takes some time to kind of get up and running you have to build up the wind slings you can build the solar panels you can clear the land and you have to pull them up and it costs money so unless you go in with all the money to build it all at once um you most of these projects from how i understand and any viewers or listeners uh that want to debate this totally let me know because you can i'm down to be corrected just make sure you leave some links don't just say i'm wrong because that doesn't work for me um but so anyway so they need the biggest pro one of the biggest problems especially in america with renewable energy is the fact that we don't have transmission lines 
Mm-hmm. And, and the and the, a lot of this energy in the desert and the Great Plains, um, there's not where the majority of the people live, which is mostly on the coasts and major cities. So they have to get the energy from those places. We don't have that infrastructure. Yeah. And um, the utility companies won't build it unless the energy is there. And the energy companies won't build the energy until the utility lines because they want to be able to sell it. Um, so all you need is a low bandwidth inter- internet connection for Bitcoin mining, you could put Bitcoin mining rigs inside of like a facility and they'll start pulling the energy and it's called a base load consumer. Hmm. So once you get this base load consumer, then you can effectively bootstrap entire green energy sector with Bitcoin mining. Literally Bitcoin mining could be, don't, don't judge me on this, but they could totally be, it could totally be the solution to the fact that to our renewable energy sector wow. in theory. Wow. Now, is this happening yet? Uh, I think that this is mostly theoretical. I think that in certain cases, it's kind of happening. Like in Texas, they're creating a more stable grid, which if there's a stable grid, more companies will build more energy onto the grid. But if the if the grid, the, the energy, the way I understand it is when you pull in energy off the grid, then people are selling the energy. But when people aren't consuming the energy, then like, like certain times during the day or certain times during the night, the energy consumption might go down. Yes. And then so like, then you don't need the energy. But like if Bitcoin rigs are run, constantly running, then you have a constant need on energy. And when and at peak hours, the, the, the Bitcoin mining in Texas has a deal. They have to shut their, their mining rigs off or reduce the capacity. So, uh, or reduce the energy consumption. So effectively you could expand the energy uh, or the uh, energy production Mm-hmm. by by having somebody who's constantly in need of that energy mm-hmm. so you can actually create a more stable grid by using by utilizing someone who's constantly pulling this type of energy off the grid that makes sense yeah so like the cool thing is like i don't know it kind of goes back to my other point i don't know that the industry will do it without rules around carbon uh like being carbon capped or something like that like like Oh, I'm work with it. I'm sorry. I was like, keep moving your head. And it's like, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I, I don't, I believe it could happen without government and stepping in, but I don't know. Like people still, they, companies look for the cheapest price because they have to compete with other companies who are doing the same thing. That's true. You know, and as long as you have companies competing for the cheapest cost of energy to mine these things, then, um, then you're not, I don't know that you'll see it happen. Yeah. Uh, unless like, you know, who knows, like as prices skyrocket for oil and gas because of this Ukraine conflict. Right. And uh, maybe, maybe you could see more and more people saying, well, Hey, like let's team up with a, a solar company or a wind company and let's uh, let's uh, let's build some more, get some more capacity online because, you know, you know, this energy is so expensive. However, that takes so much time who knows that those investments would actually be made because no, I don't know if anybody expects this war and conflict to go on for that long, you know? So, so I do really think that you're look, you're really, when it comes to like government regulation and like, what can the government do? I don't think that banning it is the way I think that you can say like, where are the benefits? Like how can society benefit from this? And uh, I do think that, you know, if, if America wants to become a green energy producer and relying on renewable energy, then you're going to need something like Bitcoin mining. 
uh, or you need a bill and Congress to get along something like when they built all the highway system and yeah but like Obama tried to do that and it kind of got thrown in his face with the Solyndra whole thing with Solyndra like the whole scam they did it through loans and I don't know it's just it sounds like it's pretty complex but all you need is the market to do what the market does with Bitcoin mining and considering Bitcoin, the benefits of Bitcoin in general, when it comes to like store of value, uh, there seems to be a lot of people interested in being part of this industry. So I do think that that's really the, the solution to a lot of our energy problems. You know, call me naive or call me, say, I, you know, what is it called? Drink the Kool-Aid, you know, a little bit maybe, <laughs> but, but yeah, that's kind of, that's what I've been reading. Well, that's true. I mean, a lot of people think that uh, technology is going to catch up to the um, issues with climate change and will solve it via technology. But, you know, my thing is like, again, e-waste and the massive amounts of things that we're doing currently that are causing more prob problems rather than helping. I think that we need to find a solution and possibly Bitcoin is the solution. But I also don't know enough about all of the, all, everything that's going on that, you know, could could bring us to that solution. Um, yeah, but my other thing, my other, that brings me, it's a little, not quite on the environmental aspect of things, but my, my other question would be technology literacy. There are a lot of people that don't even know how to turn on a computer. So how do we expect, you know, grandma and grandpa or mom and pop stores to use cryptocurrency on that level? I will say, however, there is, I've been, seeing like I tried to order a piece of pizza the other day and I saw that there was an option to buy it with Bitcoin no yeah Where down the street you... pizza movers down the street what? yeah they give you that option and I was like wow that's pretty cool I love that, I love that. I've never <laughs> seen that before and it's like uh you know that's not like a big chain or anything you know like it's kind of a smaller chain so I thought that was really interesting so I know that that's you know people are starting to transition but at the same time, like we do need to have computer literacy and we do need to have people understand technology to some certain level in order to comprehend Bitcoin, to not be afraid of it, but also to be able to use it as well. So I'm wondering about your thoughts on that. So I, I think I, I kind of really appreciate this because I don't I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about it. I think I think uh, the assumption is. You know. Aside from leaving behind older people who yeah. don't adapt, uh, adopt to technology, because that is definitely a thing. Um, but outside of that group of people, um, I don't really think about it. I think the assumption is generally young people are connected to their phones and they're so consumed with the screens that it's intuitive to them. And I, I think that's true for the most part, but I guess if you don't, have access to it um yeah i think that that's an interesting thought i would have to like really think about it like what are what do you know about um financial what about technical technical literacy um, well i know that there are some um there are some organizations out there there's even one in dc and i'm i'm, I'm blanking on the name right now but they are trying to bring more technology and technical literacy to poorer communities and what they do is they find technology that can be donated to the certain communities. And then they have experts um, work or volunteer in that space and teach, you know, large amounts of people how to use computers, you know, et cetera. But the way I think that they would be able to 
expand on uh, technology literacy would be similar to the way that Evo Morales won his uh, presidential election. He, so 60% of Bolivia is indigenous. And he saw that there were a lot of people that didn't know how to read or write. So he literally went to smaller communities and taught massive amounts of indigenous women how to read and write in English. And then, you know, didn't tell them necessarily to vote for him, but they told them, you know, you can vote, you can have power and speak for yourself if you are able to read and write. And so a large amount of these women voted him into power and result of that because he's the man that got them to be able to read and write and, and be able to, you know, that literally changed their lives for the better. So I thought that was a really interesting way for him to win the election. But I think that that would be an approach that we would have to, you know, look into in regards to technical literacy as well, because, you know, we would have to teach people on a large scale, but also we'd have to do it in a way where it's almost voluntary for, for tech people to teach people that. You know, I think, you know, I, I have like a few thoughts from based on how you're talking about it. Like, uh, so, um, uh, what am I trying to say? <clears throat> so there's financial literacy, but there's also, you know, this is not, this might not necessarily be in the same line of questioning, but it just kind of jumped in my head from this conversation. And I think it kind of leads to what you're talking about a little bit or it's related is technical literacy, but also financial literacy. Uh, You know, you have, you have the, like I got into an Uber and the Uber driver also happened to be like a financial planner. And he was telling me, uh, I guess he's like driving this, you know, he's driving like a pretty dope Benz around, but I think he's just like trying to pick up business. And um, he's telling me that, like Bitcoin and crypto is not for normal people. It's only okay for like rich people, which like one, I have a fundamental disagreement. I have a fundamental issue with that, but that's besides the point. The point is um, he was, his point, his point was that people don't know what they're doing and they get into it. Like they get into the lottery, like they're trying to get rich quick. Mm -hmm. So like, so to you be able to use crypto and be able to like be financially able to utilize crypto um you really only know how to have to know how to use like a cell phone basically like and and like use apps uh like for the use of purchases or for the use of transactions like like you could just download coinbase and it's super simple you you just buy some coin and then you can Coinbase has a lot of education. Actually, okay, here you go. There's a lot of education on Coinbase's website, tons. They even give you free crypto Mm. uh, by taking these quizzes. You have to watch these videos and take these quizzes so you understand the uses of them. Uh, So so you're learning about like how the technology is being applied. And um, uh, I guess you could say like, that's not mandatory. You know, that's stuff that they just do. It's, It's kind of like the thing I was talking about with the banks. The banks, you know, they got... You got all these people taking out all these loans that the banks were more than in the, you know, the predatory practices and 
even non maybe non-predatory practices not to cast any blame but like people are getting these loan products that they didn't understand yeah. and it toppled the entire freaking global economy exactly. and um so there is a good argument and i'm not saying i agree or disagree but i do think it's a pretty valid argument to say that like these institutions who profit off of this stuff have a responsibility yeah uh, that takes away from the personal responsibility. So please, nobody uh, say that I'm saying that you don't have to have personal responsibility. I do think you do, but to an ex- to a certain extent, I think it would be it's uh, it's an interesting thought uh, to say like these companies have to have to be part of like helping people understand like how to use the technology, uh, just like the banks. You know, like the banks don't let you take out a loan. Your first time, if you want a first time home buyer program and you want to get like one of these FHA, whatever, whatever they are loans, then you have to take like a little course. Right. Yeah. My wife had to take a course to, in order to get this, like be part of this program. Mm -hmm. And um, so I guess like that makes sense. I also think that maybe that's like just a public, something that is like a nonprofit could do that, you know, maybe. But um, yeah, it's something that I haven't really, I, isn't really talked about much um, in the space, but I think it's a, it's an, inter- it's an interesting point and uh, it's a good thought to have. I think about that all the time, just because I, in my day job, I help people, I help professors with technology and they really, they're brilliant people, but they cannot record a zoom meeting you know like they can't set up a set of lights you know like they have the most minimal amount of understanding of technology and i see those people if we had an economy say that the united states completely switched to cryptocurrency Mm -hmm. those people would be completely lost like they have no idea how like just the other day my mom she's a boomer just the other day my mom somehow turned her Amazon uh, app into only Spanish and now she can't get it back. So it's like, you know, things like that make me think about like technology literacy and and I think you're right to expand it on financial literacy. I was very fortunate to go to a Montessori school and they're very hands-on. So I learned financial literacy at the age of 12, you know, like oh, that's cool. they included, they taught us how to write a check, you know, like, and right. all these other things. They even taught us how a proper apartment should be laid out, you know, like things like that. Like, right. and we use, we used to have a lot more of that with like home economics and things like that, but now, now we don't. And we're seeing the results of not having those types of classes readily available to the public. Like a lot of people don't even cook anymore, which is a whole other, you know, point but like i think we are becoming so reliant on outward things rather than becoming self-reliant and i think that would be a real problem when it if we did switch to complete you know cryptocurrency in the united states because we always think like oh there's everybody's relatively smart everybody knows this and this but like in result of the last presidency in my opinion we've we've (laughs) learned that there have been a lot of um a lot of people that don't quite understand politics or don't understand how things operate on a day-to-day level. So I really think that there needs to be a lot of education for people to get on board or to even un- grasp what's, you know, what is cryptocurrency, what is Bitcoin, what is what are NFTs, like all of that. I think it'd be a really brilliant idea for a crypto company or a crypto exchange to onboard customers through education. It would be a positive for the bottom line, yeah. as a yeah. matter of fact, I think. So, and I love how you just... I love how you just bridged the uh, bridge, like educating people with personal responsibility. Like, cause I totally 
I loved it. Like you basically just said like, you could have personal responsibility if you have access to the education mm-hmm. and whether or not, you know, whose responsibility is to provide the education is a separate conversation, but just having that readily available, whether that's like a public service or if it's like, the, you know, it just makes sense that a crypto company would be smart to like go in and um, provide that type of education and they would build such loyal customers yeah you know it's just so that would be super brilliant as a matter of fact if anybody any crypto companies are listening we just gave you a brilliant idea you know (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah so i feel like you know we're it's so new even though it it, you you said it was the 13th anniversary 13th anniversary in january yeah i mean it's still it's still new like 13 is very young for for this type of financial for something to be so impactful right and and you know so brand new i feel like we do need to learn a lot more about it we do need to expand on a lot more things even including the environment and education those are my two concerns. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, well, um, we're going to blow dry and style this and uh, we'll be back for a conclusion. So anyway, um, so yeah, I thought you had some some great questions and uh, and some thoughts and some things for me to think about. You got any uh, any other thoughts or ideas that, uh, you know, what are your thoughts based on what you know about the e-waste stuff? Like, do you... Cause I feel like it sounded like you definitely did some research and, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well I work at a carbon neutral school, a university, and based on what I've seen from their approach to e-waste, they oftentimes, so they, um, like when we, we decommission computers every four years, right. Okay. And we have a lot of computers because of computer labs, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, um, need for for a lot of computers and if you don't have any updated computers you need to change them over within four years to get proper education mm-hmm. for the software so when we decommission decommission computers we donate them we have an outsource that that um, takes our older computers and they use them for their educational programs and then if they are you know beyond the ability of of use then we also we use we e-waste them and where they go is the question. A lot of the time when e-waste is you know, taken out, it is sent to poorer countries, third, third world countries usually, or quote unquote third world. Mm-hmm. And um, oftentimes they have children taking the batteries out of these old computers and stuff. So they get exposed to a lot of huh. waste on their own. I've, I recently discovered this and that's why, you know, it's at the tip of my mind, but I think like if we approach things in a way where we aren't creating excess garbage on the earth, we really have to figure out a way to recycle these things um, so that we don't just have a bunch of excess stuff. In addition to that, people are like, well, why don't we just send garbage to space? Because there's already a lot of garbage in space. Yeah. You know, I, apparently there's a lot like, so much that uh you know it's becoming an international uh you know debate where like just recently china had to divert a satellite because some some space junk was flying at it and it would have just taken out their their satellite or whatever and uh, and then also i just saw there's a new crater on the moon because a space junk collided into the moon 
much. Yeah. That's crazy to think about, you know? It, like, is, it is kind of crazy, actually. There's so much waste in space yeah. that we have no idea what to do with, you know? Like, and we can't just burn trash because that also causes issues. So we have this colossal problem of all this waste and we have no solutions, you know? So it's going to take a lot more people with money to try and change this problem because little people, you know, like myself, who isn't a billionaire, right. I can't do much. All I can do is my own personal, you know, approach to, to being as carbon neutral and as, you know, clean for the environment as possible. But like, you know, we have this huge issue and, and I don't see it going away anytime soon, not in my lifetime, at least. So um, e-waste, there are ways that we can uh, combat it on a smaller scale or even like in a scale of, of education, just giving more people computers that are usable, but not necessarily, you know, appreciated by universities or anything like that. But it really takes a lot of, uh, a lot of regulation, a lot of thought. And I think that we're just not there yet. So. Well, I, I, I will it. say that in the crypto world, uh, there's definitely the, uh, the two big chip processing uh, chip create manufacturers um, are AMD and NVIDIA. They are, they do seem, there does seem to be a bit of a competition between them. So some healthy competition could also, could also help. It'd be interesting to kind of see, see how that, how, how that, how that goes. Like, does, you know, is, if there is, there is a lot of anticipation from the crypto industry to uh, self-regulate to be carbon neutral. There's something called the Crypto Climate Accord, which is modeled after the Paris Climate Accord. Oh, wow. And so there's a bunch of uh, miners and crypto companies that have signed up. It's uh, it's a self it's more like a self-regulatory thing. And so stuff there are efforts being made, but like I said, and and earlier on, and it's like um, the question remains like. Is this like something that's just happening now because we're trying to get friendly regulation and then after that, that's going to be like a free-for-all or not, you know, is it, is government going to have to make a decision to like step in and say, Hey, like this stuff, this is not, this waste is not okay. There are a lot of uh, environmentalist groups that have lobbied Congress and they did have a, uh, a environmental impact of proof of work mining or something like that uh, thing where a bunch of um, environmentalists and, uh, Congressional members got together and they had they had a they had a hearing hmm. and or they're going to have a hearing anyway. They there's like it's like public record that this is something that is being discussed in the uh, in the legislative space. So I expect to see something like right now in New York, a bunch of uh, there's like forty out of a hundred something like that people that have signed to agree to. Uh, make per proof of work mining illegal in the state of New York and until they can do more research to decide if it's how safe it is and what the impacts are. So there are efforts in local area governments areas to, uh, to do something about it. They're taking a pretty hard line stance on it. And uh, other places like Texas are saying, you know, we're just more interested in becoming energy independent. Right. So we want you to help us build out our energy grid and uh, but you have to agree to these terms. So like the good news is there are terms that can be agreed to and there are, there are ways to keep this thing up, this stuff up and running. Hmm. Uh, the bad news is that without something 
you know, the states could do it, but if you're talking about the environment, you really need it at a higher level than the states. And yeah. so we'll see like how that, how that rolls. Well, that gives me hope. But we do need to keep having these conversations and, uh, and the more of these conversations we have, the more likely we're going to come up with some really cool ideas and, uh, and uh, more likely when Congress gets together to talk about this stuff, the, they'll have more ideas to think about. So it's really cool. And I feel like we're being part of it right now with this conversation and being part of like the solution, but also not a solution that means an outright ban, which could be could be bad for other reasons. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's important. So cool. Well, there you go. All right. Well, thank you for being my guest on the show. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed. Um, Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And uh, please let me know what you think. Let, let us know what you think. Uh, leave a comment below. Please like and subscribe. If, and if you're listening on, on podcast, please follow. Click the five stars. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and click the bell. It helps support the channel. It doesn't cost you anything. All right. See you later.